Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. We continue on with the class of 1999 with one of my favorite comedies from that year. It's a movie I go back to often. It's one of my favorite movies about making movies, and it's written by Steve Martin and directed by Frank Oz. It is Bowfinger, and joining me to discuss it is a filmmaker who's been on here quite a bit, and I'm looking forward to having this discussion with him. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Chris Esper. Thank you very much for joining me. Brian, thank you for having me on again. <clears throat> um, what... When did you first watch Bowfinger? Oh, I, f I first watched Bowfinger, I want to say my late teens, early 20s, um, I, when I was in college. And I had been, uh, for some reason, looking back at uh, some of the work of Frank Oz, I, uh, of whom I've always been a fan. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and um, uh, I had not seen Bowfinger out of uh, all his other film so i went ahead watched it and i was just kind of like binging on some of his movies that i have not seen at that time and so i watched it and uh like you it became an instant favorite for me it was just uh, uh fantastic all across the board mm -hmm. and and i'm i'm glad it sort of came to uh i'm i'm glad to hear that you kind of uh got into watch Bowfinger because of Frank Oz, because of the fact that Frank Oz is a filmmaker that I think a lot of people just, he they don't really think of him so much with regards to his filmmaking as much right. as his puppeteering. And I mean, sure. certainly between Yoda and between the Muppets and all that, it's a legend. Sure, yeah. But at the same time, if you look at films like Little Shop of Horrors, you look at, um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Bowfinger, um, Death at Funeral, which I adore. Yes. one of my favorite oh, films of his. Uh, he's just such a an in and out, which has a marvelous yes. turn by Kevin Klein. Yeah, he, he's just got this. He's got this natural comedic ability that is just always so wonderful <laughs> to. Uh, get into and it's perfect for the screenplay that Steve Martin writes here. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and going back to that as well, uh, I think many also forget what a brilliant writer Steve Martin is uh, yeah. <laughs> between uh, three amigos, uh, which I had no idea he had written until recently. I thought I didn't, I didn't think he even touched that script, but uh, yeah. He had written that, of course, Roxanne, which is uh, a masterpiece on its own, uh, uh, um, in its own right. Uh, and, of course, The Jerk, you know, so mm -hmm. he's a So you combine that with his writing ability, you combine that with Frank Oz's genius for comedy. Uh, it, that's a winning formula right there. It's fantastic. Yeah. And this this is a movie that I, I think in the, the hands of another filmmaker could have been very cynical about low-budget yes. filmmaking in Hollywood. And this this is this takes on the same affectionate tone that Ed Wood did. Yes, I'm glad you said that. Absolutely, <laughs> that, because that's what I kept thinking when I when I was rewatching it yesterday was uh, uh, what was how much in the spirit of Ed Wood that this picture was, and uh, and also you know in the same spirit as like let's say American Movie, which had come out the same year I believe as Bowfinger, mm -hmm. and uh, and you know a couple other. 
movies that, that celebrated um, uh, uh, the dream of Hollywood, the dream of filmmaking, and, and you know, the, the little guy getting together, all the misfits creating this cra- – trying to get this crazy dream of making a movie to come yeah. to life. No, and I mean, you know, we, you know, we could talk about a little bit of the story here because of the fact that I mean, Bobby Bowfinger, the Steve Martin character, is is very much Ed, in the Ed Wood vein as far yes. as his romantic feelings about making movies and his right. desire to make movies. Without but a doubt, he's also he's not he he's not afraid to cut corners and, in a way, he's kind of a con man. But yes. you also see why he's doing the con. You understand sort of like he he's basically <clears throat> he's basically a filmmaker who his his whole purpose is he wants to get the film made by hook or by crook. And that's yes. that's basically the idea. So I mean I say con man, but it it, it I don't want it doesn't mean that Bobby Bowfinger's a bad guy. No. No, and as a matter of fact, in a lot of the instances where he is being, quote, a con man, you're actually rooting for him and you're laughing because, yeah. like, for example, when he's, when he's telling the actors, oh, it's $25 to, to audition, and he, that, I, mean, that, I mean, that's such a ridiculous concept and it's, uh, you know, horrible, but, uh, but, but you laugh because, because, you, uh, because you, uh, you go with this guy's plight to make this film happen, right. uh, to make the crazy dream of reality well and and the whole point of him giving saying oh it's 25 dollars to audition it's it's basically another he's just trying to get more money he's trying to get that, yep he's trying to get so the budget he can yep. get this made i mean that's yep. the whole reason for it that's and right that's and but yeah it, and so when she's when uh, daisy comes in it's like oh we only oh i'm sorry we can only take cash checks we, we right, don't really right. take a check. It's like you understand what's going on. It's not because sure, of the fact that yes. he's gonna, he wants to take, he wants, he doesn't want to take her money. It's because of the fact that he's trying to do this as much on the down low as possible. Sure. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, I mean, I God, this this cast is amazing. Like, oh I'm my, always yes. blown away by how 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 massive this cast is i mean it really is before in i mean you've got steve martin and a murphy who are sure. in their first film together mm-hmm. you you have christine bransky who's just yes. a delight in yes. her role you've got jamie kennedy who is mm-hmm. still relatively hot at the time you have heather graham who's you know continued to continue to work and i mean this was her coming off of boogie nights and she just right. done Austin Powers two this summer, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> and then you there are times where you completely forget until he shows up that Robert Downey Jr. is in. That's right. That's and, right. Yeah. <laughs> as Jerry Renfro and just yep. the yep. one the two scenes that he has in as in the movie he just kills it. Yeah, and same with also Terrence Stamp as the new age uh, uh, guru sort of guy. Well, as, as let's let's be honest. I mean, Mindhead is essentially Scientology. That's, oh, without that's, a doubt. That's yeah. Steve Martin's dig at Scientology is is and, yeah yeah, uh, and even but the thing is the funny thing for me about that is even if you don't necessarily get even if you've never necessarily heard of 
like everything that supposedly goes on in Scientology, you basically know that that's Scientology that he's he's, he's rip, ripping on. Yep. And yep. Uh, yeah, it's just so fantastic. Um, and I mean this, yeah, this this cast is so good. And it really is. Yep. Like they're really. There, there's not weak link, and it's it's just nope. so much fun. And like I, I love that Jerry Renfro basically goes with Bowfinger in the scene in the, the the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, can I talk to him? And yeah, you know, yeah. it's like he 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 knows what's going on. Yeah, and yeah. He, yeah. he also just kind of can't believe what's going on either, and that's one of the things right, I really right, love right, about. Right. And yep. I mean, Downey just sells it just masterfully. Yep, yep, and he never once lets on. He knows that he knows what's going on. That's what makes it so mm-hmm. funny. He just he just plays it straight, and he just he just goes with it. And he's yeah. I mean, he, I mean, even in those two scenes, he he still he steals it in every scene. Yeah. Now, as as a filmmaker, just as a filmmaker, how and and somebody who works with low budgets a lot, how inspiring is this movie to you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> It, it actually is very inspiring, actually, uh, and um, uh, it reminds me very much of when I first started, uh, and I was like doing a lot of this stuff on my own before I had any kind of crew to speak of yeah. uh, on any of my things. And even today, I once in a while, I still find myself in a one-man band uh, situation, or I find myself in a situation shooting for a director whose budget is so low and he's just and just screaming by the barrel to get to, to make this crazy thing happen. I'm standing there just like kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but but man, you know that you know this is but but this but, but this is what it's all about. It's that passion, that drive, mm-hmm. that 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 will to make it happen under any circumstances. And also as someone who's who lived in California for a short period uh, for an internship, you know, it uh it's reminiscent for me. It's nostalgic for me in that way as well. Uh, when I watch this movie now, yeah, and and I yeah, I mean, I know when when I've when I've tried my hand at filmmaking. I mean, this is definitely a movie that comes up. I mean, it's for me like I I'm more in you know I I'm definitely more in Bowfinger's camp where it's like I just really had no money whatsoever when sure. I was trying to make movies. So it's like. You know, it was basically trying to. I mean, if if you're if you're a member of my Patreon, you'll you'll know that earlier this summer I posted a commentary for what I completed of my first short film. Saw that, yes. And uh, so, and I and one of the things that I point out, if you will, uh, if if you'll recall, the quote unquote production company that I came up with for uh my mine was sim nouveau which which is inspired by this movie and it's like (laughs) this line that bowfinger gives uh christine baranski's character when he's he's telling her about this trying to justify this crazy idea of that they're trying to <laughs> basically film Kit Ramsey without him knowing. Without him knowing, it's yeah. Like, oh, we're working in a new style. We're we're working in something new, and it's called Cinema Nouveau. And Cinema like, Nouveau, yes. It it, it <laughs> I mean, it it's also it was also probably just a, you know, just sort of a rip off of like the French New Wave, make it French because of the fact that the French New Wave and stuff like that. 
But yeah. at the same time, it's like it just means new cinema. That's all you're saying. Pre- and, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. yeah, when when I uh, when when I like that was an idea I had. It's like, oh yeah, my production company will be Cinema Nouveau, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's where that came from. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, th- this movie, I. It, we we haven't really talked about A Murphy yet, and A Murphy is just phenomenal in this. Oh movie. my god! I mean this. Yeah, this might be probably my favorite performance of his. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I, I you know he's done a lot of great films. Like I love Coming to America. You know I love uh, of course you know Beverly Hills Cop is great. All that you know mm-hmm. at Night Professor. This movie though he. It's interesting with him because he plays two roles, of course, and yeah. in both and both roles yeah. couldn't be more different from each other. You have one, you have one that's to the extreme where he's this guy, this famous actor, possibly with schizophrenia. We don't know; they don't yeah. let on to it. And then, and then you have this, you have this very introverted, shy uh, 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 guy that, without giving too much away, uh, you know, uh, um, is his brother. You know, yeah. and it's and it's just it's it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that I mean, you know, you you mentioned schizophrenia. It's like that could very well, but he could also be very paranoid too, or and just he, very paranoid. He's, yeah, he's he's also because he belongs to Mindhead, this yep. Scientology uh, um, stand-in that Terrence Stamp is a char- is in charge of, and I mean that that's the thing. I mean, especially if you've seen. You know, especially if you've seen Going Clear, the HBO documentary, it's like you yeah. you really it it's much easier to connect the dots between Mindhead and Scientology. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, I yeah, knew yeah, this yeah. before. Oh wow, yep, 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 closer than we think. Yep, yep. But yep. Uh, no, I mean the 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 introduction scene with Kit Ramsey is just perfect. Where it's like, and he completely sets the tone for that performance because he's talking to his agent about getting um about the types of roles he's getting and basically right. like that's those are all the scenes with his agents like right you know, right right complaining about the types of roles and complaining about the types of movies that he's getting and uh, right. you you right. really see this paranoia come through because of the fact that it's like oh hey i put this script in the computer and all the K's are divided yeah. by three, so it's like KKK shows up. I don't know how many. Right, times. right, right. And it's like that's such an insane idea, but it's like yeah, yeah. And uh, then the later scene where it's like, oh, get me a get me a slave player, get me a slave character, like what was play, it, Richard yeah. Slave or something like that. Yes, yes. And it's like that will get the Oscar. It's like, uh, yeah. But yeah. the the thing that I love about this material is that it it sounds very exaggerated and very comedically exaggerated, but it's also yes. it's also sadly accurate to Hollywood at the time and even to a certain extent Hollywood now. Not as, yeah. I mean, it, you know, Hollywood's starting to come around a little bit as far as like you know black actors and the types of roles that they get. But at the sure. same time, it's it's like at the time you the the idea of making these points was uh was there as well. And just the the way that Bobby Bowfinger's like, oh wait, yeah, well so we're going to do this, but he can't know that he can't see the <laughs> camera. 
Yeah. Like he, it's only one take with Kit, and I mean the <laughs> the the most the the best scene that that involves is of course the parking lot scene. Oh yes, where it's yes. like and and the way that cuts together and the way he develops that sequence and the way just just the way that Frank God shoots that scene is just absolutely perfect because of the fact that you hear the you hear the you hear the high heels going and you're not quite sure, you know, but you don't see Christine Baranski's character. And so, and then you see that it's Steve Martin's dog yeah. wearing them <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's trained them. And it's paying yeah. off the earlier jokes about him, him getting his uh, dog to come to him. Yeah. And it's just so hilarious and so perfect the way that scene is. And just, it's, it's such a great it's just it's easy to you know this this is a movie that's like as goofy as it is it's like it is inspiring because of the fact that it's like oh that's a way of approaching a yeah yeah you yeah. would never necessarily think about yeah no exactly and and i love uh, uh christine bransky's uh reaction later when they're watching the footage <laughs> and they're watching it play back and she goes, "Oh, you can really see the fear on his face." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was so real, and it's like you yeah. can really see the the fear in his eyes. It's like yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> well, and it's funny too because in doing some reading on this film, uh, I had I had what I discovered. You probably know this as well. Is that uh, this was apparently inspired by a real incident that happened to Mary Pickford when she was in Russia. And she was being filmed without her knowledge, and the and these Russian filmmakers released this film that she <laughs> that she that she had no idea she was even in because they they just filmed her doing things on her vacation. They cut it together and they released it. Mm-hmm. This is like in this is like in the twenties. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> right. I did remember reading that. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, you, it's hard. I mean, obviously, with copyright being the way it is now, and you know privacy and I, well i don't know yeah you can really get away with no it now there's no, no way i don't think do so that. no um but which is what makes this just such a just such a bit of lunacy but it's lunacy in just such a wonderful way and it's because yes. it's because of all it's because you like all of the characters it's because yeah. of even though you know, even though it's easy to see the con that's that Bobby Bowfinger is putting on, we still like him because of a Steve Martin is just naturally likable, but yep. also because of the fact that the character has these big dreams of making Hollywood films, and yeah, just you know, and that's a very you know that's that's a very recognizable dream, and it's like it's something that. He he just understands so beautifully, and it's like it's the same way with the rest of the actors, with with the rest of his cast, with Jamie Kennedy, with uh, Slater, the the actor, you know Slater, yeah, leading man with uh, Christine Baranski's character, who yep. I think has one of the best lines in the entire movie at the end after they've been uh, made out, and yep. she. You know, and everybody's being everybody's justly upset with Bobby because of the fact that he's lied to everybody. And yep. she says, I think it was a beautiful lie. 
Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it's, she's still holding on to this romantic idea she's because still, of the fact that yeah. she was working. It's like she was just grateful to be working. Yep, yep. And then Steve Martin comes out and he's like, he's like well, you know, could have worked. <laughs> which, was, which was a great I love. Yeah. <laughs> so and, then, and then, you know, we, we have to talk about the fact that it's like, you know, there are so many, like, just crazy little comments and commentaries and stuff like that could that could be made because of the fact that like the way uh bobby bowfinger and uh what was what was what's jamie candy's character's name oh uh wait a minute let me see if i can find it uh dave right dave, dave yes name. um the way they find their crew you know, by, yeah. by going to yeah. the border and yeah. and, and like rounding yeah. up some illegal immigrants and the yeah. but the great way is the the fact that they get completely into it and like yeah. at one point during during filmmaking like their watch their one of them is reading uh, Cashier to Cinema I believe. Oh yes, yep. When when they're uh, doing when they have to. Uh, during one of the uh, scenes and it's just so it's so hilarious to see and they're talking about movies and stuff like that and then by the end when they like film this other footage of just kit kit walking around and stuff like that that eventually gets them what they need in order to finish the movie like they're talking about the different uh camera lens and camera you know cameras have yeah. stuff like that that they use it's yeah. like oh thank you and it's like wow you turned over you know it's like you you guys you guys basically know what's going on now so yeah yeah yep yep and yeah like i love when they talk about like citizen kane and all that like that yeah. that was just that was great <laughs> um and uh, we haven't talked about Heather Graham, and th- this is probably like I really like Heather Graham in this movie. She's yeah. she's just really wonderful. I mean, she she's supposedly her character supposedly inspired by Anne Hesh. Yeah, in fact I've heard that it's like it, you yeah. know it's just because nobody had really heard of Anne Hesh, and then all of a sudden it's like she's. She's one of the more famous people in the world, mainly because of her relationship Ellen with DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, and then, of course, the character is also a uh, a typical uh, cliche of actors who just got off the bus from the Midwest and is trying to yeah. make it in, in acting and they end up sort of sleeping their way to the top. Exactly. But, yeah. but the thing about it is, it's like you you understand her motivation. You know, she she's kind of like Bowfinger in the same way, but right. you don't really look at them in you you don't really look at them in a way that you know you don't look poorly on them because of the fact that it's like they're they're people ultimately trying to do the same do trying to do the same thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. basically, like when when she's told, "Oh, hey, because Kit doesn't know he's in the movie," it's like I'm working. And yeah. Of course, later <laughs> she's upset because of the fact that she ended up, uh, she she ended up, uh, you know, showing her breasts on in one scene with Jif, which yeah, that that's 
Eddie Murphy's reaction is Jeff in that movie. Oh, it's in, great. In that yeah. scene is just perfect. Oh, no, it is great. And we, <laughs> we haven't even talked about one of the funniest scenes with Jeff when him crossing the freeway, oh, which is, is, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, those are professional stunt drivers. That's oh, right. professional stunt drivers, really? I, I, I was wondering how that was. I was wondering how that worked, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> And he comes, he comes back. It's like, oh, the stunt drivers were so impressed. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's just, he's just bawling his eyes out. He, he's like, I want to go home. I just want get Aaron, do errands for people, and that's it. That's right. Right. It's like that's all I want to do. It's like, <laughs> but first we need one more take. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, to I. Just, just out of curiosity, because you, you, you've made several films. If you're doing a driving scene, if you're doing <laughs> a scene like that, they're not going. They're not a. You're not gonna have that many. How, how is that type of scene going to work? What, um, uh, like, uh, like the one with him crossing the freeway. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> very, 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 very carefully. I mean, I, I mean, you would have to, you would have to like shut down the highway to have full access to it, right? Uh, you know, to for for him to even cross, uh, you would probably, you would probably, I guess, uh, 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 adding cars in post production, uh, like, uh, like add them, uh, um, uh, digitally in right. post production, which, right. which I think they, which I think they did here, uh, from what I understand, uh. But uh, that's probably how I would do it. But the uh, but the biggest thing is like getting the budget, getting the budget and the permit to do so is, is uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's like you're not going to do it in in like actual traffic. It's going to be like you said, sure. they're going to yeah. shut down the freeway. The and yep. They're going to f- shut that part down. And um, it's it's one of those things where it's like I was just kind of curious because of the fact that it's one of those things where. You're you're right. They wouldn't as they would digitally insert cars now, and also it's like, I mean, would they be filmed? How would you do the? I mean, cinematically speaking, would ah, they be going yeah, full yeah. speed or would they be? You could. I mean, what? Well, I mean, what? What? That's a, no. That's actually a very good question. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess. I you know I guess I guess you could you could in theory. Um, film the cars in the same exact angle as you would the person running across the road, and then um, and then and then splice splice the two pieces of film together, right. two pieces of together right. uh, to sort of give that effect. Or maybe the cars, maybe the cars are passing by on a green screen, and you put them in that way, or you know, or 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 they're or they're completely CGI, where where they're just completely digital cars, and yeah. you know, but uh, <laughs> but I, I have a I have a feeling doing the former is is um, a tad bit more practical and mm. and um, and some, somewhat easier, I imagine, <laughs> or. Or the alternative, just have them really, really run across as cars are going by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the thing, one of the things that's so great about this movie is that it it understands just how absurd action movies are in in their yes. logic in this movie. I mean, this you know this 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 the story for Chubby Rain, the movie that they're making with Kit Ramsey, is like it's not it's. Every bit is crazy as just about any sci-fi action movie yes. plot you would find. Like it, it has these crazy notions of oh hey, here's how it is, and here, 
you know, here, here's how the story. Well, what, what about this? Oh, well, we don't think about that and all. That yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's one of the things that's just so. As, as another part of the reason why this movie makes so much more so much sense because of the fact that it re- this movie really could be made it could have been probably could have been made in like the 50s yeah would have because yep. i mean this is essentially like an action movie by way of like 50s sci-fi like, right this is very much a 50s sci-fi cheesy oh with a yeah yeah i mean this would have been a direct-to-video release I yeah mean, yeah and it's just such an insane idea but um, you you also understand it's like it 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 gets the character beats. And I love that uh, Jerry Renfro when Bobby in the cat in the restaurant scene, like Bobby shows him the script and it's like, oh, it starts well, and then he goes to the last scene. And he goes got, to the last page. Gotcha, yeah, <laughs> gotcha suckers. Like, oh hey, this, that's a catchphrase. This, that's yeah. a catchphrase right there. And it's like. And I mean, of course, he's he's basically lying through his teeth when he says, "You know what? Yeah, if if you bring Kit Ramsey to, yeah, you you gotta go. You gotta go picture because I mean, he knows he's not gonna get Kit Ramsey to say yes to this. But um, yeah, it's like just you you wonder if that's I I have no doubt that that's how so many scripts get made at times where it's like, oh yeah, it starts out well, how's it end? Yeah, (laughs) okay." Because you understand the beats that it goes through along the way, too. It's yeah, yeah. Like, eh, I don't need to know this story. I basically know how it's right. going to go. So. <laughs> no, exactly. And, that, and, and uh, again, that's that's the great parody of it is the um, – uh, um, because it's still relevant even today, as you said before. I mean, yeah. you could look at – you could look at this film. Nothing about it is really dated, interestingly enough. Uh <laughs> And because it's still, it still is somehow very relevant to what happens today in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I I do like that because uh, this this movie was produced by Brian Grazer and Imagine. Yeah. Uh, films. I like that the Chubby Rain title sequence is basically yes. like a parody <laughs> off of the Imagine logo. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I really this, this is, and I, I do have to say, and this is, this is one of the things that makes this film so inspiring is that even in, in a way even more inspiring than Ed Wood, even though Ed Wood is very much inspired by a true story. Right. The way they shoot the climax of the movie. Yep. And at the uh, observatory. And at the, the observatory. Way, yep. And the way that whole sequence progresses, it's just you you see the different ways that they have they planned this out. Like this is legitimately yeah. well scouted. <laughs> this is a well scouted sequence. They've done a yeah. really good job figuring out this sequence and how it's going to play out. And it's like it makes you wonder, it's like, how on earth did they get permission to do this if yeah. he's not even supposed to know about it? Right, right, right. But, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah, no, it's great, and I, I, I just love how they like that. They're uh, how he 
Steve Martin's character is just like, all right, great, next shot. They run to the next yeah. location, <laughs> go to the next one, the next one. Oh, it's fantastic. And and they use the security cameras at the observatory right, right. to you yep. know to fill in some of the blanks and stuff like that. Yep. Um, we we talked a little bit about the uh, the twist with Jif uh, being Kit's brother. And yeah. uh, it, that probably has one of my that probably has one of my favorite moments in the entire movie where it's like you see you see Jif taught you see Jif is not just a comedic character in that moment, but when he's talking about his brother and how his brother isn't really around and stuff like that, and you see the sympathy that like yeah. elicits from the rest of the crew, it's like you see him as an actual human being at that point. Yeah. That's one of the things that it's a, such a great grace note for Martin and Murphy to put that into that character. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, this, this guy looks ridiculous. He talks ridiculous, but yeah. here's, here's a moment to humanize him. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that, that would have been very easy for Eddie Murphy to play it you know, uh, just as a cartoon with, uh, with little dimension, but he somehow gives it just that little bit of, of, um, of depth to not only feel for the guy, but to laugh with him. Yeah. Um, this, oh, is, I, I just, I love, I love watching this movie. This is such a, this is such a pleasure to revisit this one. It's, it's one I go back to every couple of years because of the fact, and, it is is a movie that I do pair with Ed Wood as far as like yes. movies about making movies, and it was funny because last year we talked about Dave for Night, the Truffaut movie. That's right. Yeah. And so it's like, eh, we what what other m- movies? What other movies, movies about movies? Yeah. About? <laughs> I I mean, there's the Bad and the Beautiful. There's yeah. a, there's a bunch of movies that we could talk about, and it's like there's the Player, which would be that's fantastic. Right. Um, but, uh, no, this, this is the, the thing about this and the thing about Ed Wood, I think apart from the fact that they're both very, very funny movies is the fact that it's like, they also take the idea of making movies, even low budget movies, extremely serious. Yes. And it doesn't matter what the story is. It doesn't matter how ridiculous the story is it takes that story seriously and the people making this, these movies are taking these stories seriously. And I, I think that's one of the things that is so entertaining. I mean, in a way they're sort of inside movies for film fans more than anything else as general public. I mean, this, this wasn't a huge success. It did. Okay. But it wasn't a huge success. And so, So the fact of the matter is, though, it's like it's for somebody, for people like us who enjoy talking about movies or making movies, it's going to have a little bit more appreciation on, for us to have a movie like this. And I mean, I think this is, you know, it's like it. we, we talked about Frank Oz and it's like Frank Oz is a filmmaker who genuinely I, I think he, he's a filmmaker, and it's a shame that he... I don't think he's really made a movie since Death at a Funeral. Yeah, no, his last... His most recent film was a documentary about uh, him and uh, 
his uh, fellow performers from the Muppets called documentary called Muppet Guys Talking, which is oh yeah, fantastic. that's right. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it, it, it's absolutely fantastic. But in terms of narrative work, yeah, Death of the Funeral was the more recent one, and it's a shame. He's a filmmaker that's vastly underrated because he manages yeah. to have a lot, a lot of humor and heart in his stories. Like one of my favorite movies growing up was The Indian in the Cupboard. I loved that as a kid, mm-hmm. I, and I I had forgotten that he directed it. But it's very imaginative and inventive and creative. Uh, and you know, of course, Little Shop of Horrors is uh, uh, is a classic. Yeah, you know, so he. <laughs> So, you know, he, he's a genius in his own right. Uh, and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, he's always made very fantastic films. And he had also, I, he co-directed with, uh, he co-directed Dark Crystal. The Dark Crystal, yeah. Jim Henson, Jim Henson, yeah. And then he directed Muppets Take Manhattan, which was his first solo director. That's right, work, that's right. Which, yeah. I mean, Muppets Take Manhattan is... I mean, I, I love that era of Muppets and like Me that movie's yep. that movie has always been a favor of mine. I like that one too. And what's interesting about that film is that unlike the two that came before it, you know, of course Muppet Movie and, and uh, Great Muppet Caper, those two were very were very, very jokey, funny, uh, had a little bit of heart, particularly Muppet movie. This one just I remember being very floored by it as a child because it had humor, but it was predominantly a very kind of a sad story. And I was yeah. like, I, I, I remember, I remember being a bit taken aback by it as a young kid, but being an adult, I appreciate it more because it did, it, because it, because it did attempt to have a heart and humanity, and and taking what's otherwise these characters are just puppets and literally giving them life. I mean, it, it it's a testament to mm-hmm. him as a director, and it's a testament to uh, the, the the performers, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 it also has, and it does. It has like some of the, it has some of the most emotional moments I think the Muppets have ever had because of the fact sure. that you have, you have a wedding between Kermit and Miss Piggy, and uh-huh. then you have the saying goodbye montage, yep. which is just heartbreaking. Oh my god! <laughs> like if, you, if if you know if you're watching those characters and it's like you you were you grew up with the Muppet Show, you grew up with the movies, and it's like. You have that sequence. It's like, oh my god! It's like that movie yeah. just that that sequence is just kills you. Yeah, um, and then yeah, then the scene in which Kermit gets amnesia is is uh, is traumatizing as a as yeah. a child, you know. <laughs> and uh, it's like it's like, oh my god, you know. But like, but but it's a it's wonderful though. It's a wonderful movie, and mm-hmm. you know, and and you know, and Frank Oz, you know. He, you know, he guys guys a genius. <laughs> so and, and he's 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 so capable of bring out humanity. He he's bring out he's so good being able to bring out um emotion through comedy. Yeah. And you think about the scenes in you you think about the scene in uh In and Out with Joan Cusack after Kevin Kevin Klein leaves her Yep. Because of the fact that he's gay. And yeah. you you have her amazing scene in the middle of the road in the wedding dress. Yes. It's, like, <laughs> it's such a funny image, but oh my God, your heart breaks for her. Yeah, no, it does. And and you know something else too about Frank Goss is that despite some of the concepts of his of his work, including Bowfinger being outrageous, goofy, whatever you want to say, 
he has a very subtle hand in how he directs his actors. They're never over the top. Yeah. The actors are the actors are always playing. Steve Martin, for example, in this movie, he he plays it straight. Eddie Murphy, you know, you could argue does true scenery, but he has to in his role. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, he but he has a very subtle hand with comedy, even though this because I think that's one of that's one of the things he's smart with as a director is that he knows the situation itself is already funny. The actors don't have to try to be funny to, mm. to elevate it. It's already funny. The material, the material is already inherently funny. It's up to the, so now the actors just have to play it. And as a director, you could see he understands that and knows that. And it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And you really see that. I mean, we're kind of going off on a, uh, you know, Frank Oz tangent, but you know what? I mean, he doesn't get brought up enough and the fact no. that there is, and you, what you bring up is absolutely on spot, especially when it comes to death at funerals. Yes. Because that's a very broad. That's a farce. Concept. Yeah. But it's done in a way like it's a very serious, somber, you know, how are you going to make a comedy set at a funeral? And yeah, the way that that unfolds and you've got this really wonderful script, you've got these actors who play it. You've you've got broad characters, you've got subtle characters, but That's like right. you said, he yeah. always he he always directs them in a way that it's always about the character first. It's always about That's serving right. the story yep. first. If going over yep. the top is going to serve the story, you do that. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Bowfinger, he's not really much different from a lot of Steve Martin characters. No. But nope. at the same time, he because the way because Steve Martin is the way he is as a performer, yep. and so you you kind of know what he's going you're going to get from him as in a comedy. But the fact of the matter is, it's like you always you also see him. He's got a lot of different things in this movie to contend with because yeah. he's he's lying to most of his cast and crew. He's trying to his movie made he's trying to mm -hmm. you know he he does he would like to get somebody you know people involved with this movie you know to get made but ultimately it's like he 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 knows that he's kind of responsible for doing that on his own and yeah how is that going to work and so he yeah. know, he knows the game of with People like Jerry Renfro, he he's he talks his way to talking with Kit, trying to get the script in front of him, but that doesn't go well. So how are we going to make this work? Oh well, we'll just film him as we'll a, just film without knowing. Yeah, yep. mm -hmm. and it's funny because uh, one of the things that Frank Oz has said is that you could compare Bowfinger to the group of Muppet characters in that <laughs> you have in that you have. You have C. Martin, who is the proverbial Kermit, yeah. trying to get, trying to get these group of crazies to do this crazy thing, you know, uh, very similar to you know putting on putting on a show in the Muppet Show, uh, trying to make a movie in the Muppet Movie, yeah. or you know you go back to Muppet Take Manhattan. He's doing all these crazy things to get the show on Broadway, disguising himself and doing all these things. So it's so so it, so it's interesting how all that sort of parallels yeah. in that. But I think I think it's also. Um, uh, relevant for any, for any small band of people, a troupe of performers, a group of filmmakers, whatever the case may be. When I first started, I had worked with a bunch of friends doing these 
these uh, uh, these kind of you know, quirky comedy sketches uh, for a website. I was helping them out, and uh, the guy who was in charge of it, he would he had to be like the Steve Martin character in that he had to be sane to try to to try to get these like weird skits to happen. And here we are, this this odd group of bunch trying to get this thing to happen. We don't understand the struggles. We have our own things on our mind, mm-hmm. and so when I watch this film, I think about that small band. And the purity that comes with that. And I think as you get, and I think as you rise to the top and get bigger, you know, you know, that sort of gets lost in the shuffle, which I think is something that this movie reminds you of is to sort of keep that initial flame that sparked you to do what you love. Mm -hmm. I I think. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's, that's why I asked you, I mean, it kind of sounds ridiculous, but it, it sounds true. That's yeah. why I asked you, it's like, how inspiring as a filmmaker is this movie to you? Because of the fact that it is ultimately a movie about the love of making movies. Yes. It's ultimately about a movie, a people, people who are trying to make a movie, they love the idea of making a movie, they don't have the resources to make that movie what it really could be, so how are we going to just make the movie... And the thing is, it's like the idea of making this type of movie that way, it's like there is something inherently charming to, there's something to be said. The reason Ed Ed Wood's films are objectively terrible, sure, but they're imminently watchable. And it's because of the fact that there's this goofy, surreal nature to making movies about those subject matters yeah, on that scale of a budget where you don't really have the budget to do anything. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. this is exactly the same way, and it's it's so, but it's so watchable. It's so charming to watch paper plates as flying saucers is in Plan Nine from Outer Space. Right, it's completely hilarious to watch. You know actors overacting in this movie in these really goofy, goopy effects. Yep. <laughs> you know, to take place during chubby rain. It's one of those yep. things. And then you you've got this inevitable, you know, you it seems like you every it seems like Edward and Bowfinger both have kind of in insane premieres. And yeah, the, the Chubby Rain technically <laughs> could probably get that done because of the fact that it was one of the of, Kit of the yeah. world. But if it were anybody other than Kit Ramsey, it wouldn't happen. No. So, but the idea that it you have this this just lovely simple montage of like the people who made Chubby Rain, you know, they have a scene that really shows the the care that went into the movie. Uh, come through and you see them watching it on the big screen. It's like, oh, that's such, such a sweet thing. And it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It captures the magic of making movies, and mm-hmm. it's like that's one of the things that's so, just infinitely watchable about this movie. Yep, yep. and and I love I love that we see uh, the screenwriters uh, eight siblings uh, by his yeah. side. Were, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was just, that that was a nice way that that, that was tied together. Yeah. No, I mean, and ultimately a lot of these things are brought back to, are brought back in, you know, they they play out, you know, up until the climax, which is basically 
Steve Martin gets an offer to make a movie in is cheap in Taiwan kung yeah. fu movie in Taiwan yeah. with Kit Ramsey's brother. Yeah, and it's like not not even Kit Ramsey with Kit Ramsey's brother. Kit Ramsey's brother, <laughs> and it's just it's like well here we go again, and you see a yeah. little bit of it at the end, and it's just hilarious. Just how how they really have not learned much as far as yeah. the filmmaking process. Because yeah. it's like he still has to get Jeff to act. And it's like, yep. no, no, keep going, keep going. Yeah. It's like when when you can see the camera in the mirror. And uh, Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. But uh, yeah. no, this, this, is, this, this is, there's a reason this has always been one of my favorite movies from this year. It's because of, it's it's because of the affection that it has for the subject matter and the characters and all of that stuff. It's just also a lot of fun to watch. It is, yeah. And you know, uh, in a year in a year like nineteen ninety nine that was kind of dry on comedies, like this was a fresh gem uh, that came out uh, during that period. Well, and the funny thing is, it's like I, you know, we I've I've talked about American Pie on this movie yeah. already on this podcast. We brought up Austin Powers, Spy Who Shagged Me, yeah. which was the big comedic juggernaut that year. And it's like, I, I'm not necessarily going to go over it because there's not really a whole lot to go over. And I'm sure. not really a huge fan of that franchise. Um, but you also had, you had a bunch of teen comedies earlier this year. Yeah. You know, that was whole playing out. You had She's All That. You had Varsity sure. Blues. Election is a brilliant comedy oh it's brilliant yeah and then but yeah it and it's weird because of the fact that yeah you mentioned that it's kind of light on comedy it is to a certain extent it was also kind of light on action movies too it that's was what yeah. makes this really funny because but it's be but and that's what makes such an, 1999 such an interesting year because of the fact that it's comedies and action are basically like the biggest successful genres in Hollywood or they kind yeah. of were at the time, but yeah. there, there really wasn't a whole lot of evidence to that in this year. No, like, not really. Like Julia Roberts had a couple big hits with like Nine Hill, Runway Bride and yeah. stuff like that, but nobody really remembers those. Although Nine yeah. Hill was actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, but, but the thing is, it's like, there wasn't, it was always, it was the smaller stuff, it was the independent films, it was the films yep. that took chances. Yep. And it's like, Bowfinger is not necessarily a movie that takes chances, I don't no. think. Because it basically is, it's it's a movie star vehicle for Steve Martin and Eddie yeah. Murphy. And yeah. it's Eddie Murphy at sort of, not necessarily the peak of his powers, because, I mean, you could argue that was with, like, the first Beverly Hills cop and train places sure. and 48 hours and stuff like that. But at least his second, when he got his second wind with the night professor. Yeah. And then he had Shrek a couple of years later, which mm -hmm. blew him up even as, as well. Yeah. So, I mean, this was sort of a Murphy with his second wind here. And Steve Martin was still relatively successful. You know, people still like Eddie, Steve Martin, um, I mean, he he's but he was he he wasn't quite the movie star they was before. Yeah. So it this is this is kind of you know this this was kind of like the big, in a way it was sort of like the 
a big sort of uh, turning point for them in their careers as far as like what we saw them in moving forward but was also something where it's like it's also star vehicles it's star vehicle right. comedy so right and yeah. that's one of the things that makes this it it is very much um it's it's something that's very convent that was very conventional in hollywood at the time but and you don't really see a whole lot of it now Right. And and going back to what you said earlier, when you were listing some of the comedies that come out that year, yeah, a lot of them were, were the teen comedies. You weren't really seeing comedies such as this, where it was more about character uh, and, um, uh, and and genuinely humorous. Like, it didn't have to try hard to be yeah. funny, like how, like how some of the other ones uh, 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 maybe had to do. Uh, and and um, yeah, you know, by today's standards, like I guess you could you could almost say this is kind of an old fashioned comedy and how it plays oh, out, yeah. which is yeah, that's not a bad, <laughs> not a bad thing at all. No, no a, not not at all. And uh, it is it's it's a movie I always enjoy watching. It's a movie that I I always always appreciate for a lot of different ways, but more 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 often than not, it's it's a movie that I appreciate because of the fact that it it knows it knows the struggle of making movies and it's something that. It's it's also a movie that really uh, appreciates that struggle and doesn't make that that's that's the thing that really makes this movie work ultimately is that it doesn't make fun of these people no. in their struggles to make this movie it it respects them and it 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 appreciates that struggle yeah and I think yeah. that's one of the things that makes this such an entertaining comedy. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. There's no false pretenses about it. It knows that its characters are flawed, and and even and even points to them, and in some cases, not makes fun of them, but it uh, but it brings light to some of their flaws. Uh, you know, such as the Heather Graham character, the Steve Martin character, and that's what just wait. Well, that's what makes it so endearing and funny. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, do you have anything more that you want to uh, add? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, uh, Chris, thank you very much for, uh, joining me today to, uh, like Bowfinger. Yeah. Thank you as well. Yeah. And I know we've got, we've got one more, we've got Bicentennial Man, which I need That's to get, right. uh, get hold of to, uh, rewatch that. And I'm, I'm really curious to rewatch that, uh, because it's yeah. been about 20 years since I've seen it. And I'm, I'm definitely curious to see how I feel about it now. Yeah, yeah, I, it's been a few years since I've seen it as well. I remember seeing that one in the cinema, um, uh, so they, I have a bit of a nostalgia for it. But also, uh, I've I've always enjoyed it, but uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to thank Chris Esper for joining me today to discuss Bowfinger. Um, it's it's a movie that really, I, I think, speaks a lot of... Uh, People who enjoy films, enjoy watching films, enjoy learning how they get made to see just how difficult it is, the process is. And I hope you enjoyed the discussion on it. And if you haven't had a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. As well as the other wonderful Frank Oz films we've talked about. He's a filmmaker that, com from a comedic standpoint, does not get talked about a lot. And I, I think that's a shame. Uh, he's best known for Yoda and for his work with the Muppets, but he's so much more than that when you look at his films. Um, 
coming up on the class of 1999 for the Sonic Cinema podcast, uh, we get into some gritty drama. We're going to get into horror with uh, October, including three of the biggest, two of the biggest uh, hits of the year, as well as another horror movie that is uh, definitely worth considering. Um, and then we're, it's going to be Fast and Furious. There are a lot of movies I still want to get to for the class of 1999. Uh, check me out on patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. You'll see a lot of early access reviews to those films. And there are a few that I still haven't posted on the main page just yet uh, because I haven't gotten through the podcast form and uh, hope to at some point. But for now, this is Brian Scuttle. Check me out on Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel or www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you.